Welcome to the Evolved Caveman Podcast. I am Dr. John, the guide for your heroic journey towards greater health, success, and most importantly, happiness. And now, on with the show. Hey everybody, this is Dr. John back with another episode of the Evolved Caveman Podcast where we seek to open the hearts of men. And this is a perfect guest for that. And my guest today is Arno St. Paul. And Arno is a philanthropist and award-winning serial software, finance, and social impact entrepreneur for more than 20 years. He's been living between Los Angeles and Paris, and more recently, Spain and Zurich. And Arno went through his awakening when a very youthful 13 years old. While having a successful career in finance and tech across continents, he has been traveling throughout the world to study the different religions and philosophies in his relentless quest to understand himself and others. His life purpose is now to open billions of hearts and help them find harmony inside and out. Welcome, Arno. How are you? Very well. Thank you so much for having me, John. Uh, it's a pleasure to be in such a beautiful harmony. Uh, it's it's so nice to see you again. I really enjoyed our prior conversation. Me too. Me too, really. Uh, yeah, it really spoke to me. So back up a little bit and tell us some of your backstory and how you got to be at this point in your life. Well, that could be a long story, but uh, <laughs> make it, to make it short, I guess I'm born for that. Uh, and uh, technically, it's actually the case. But, uh, uh, you know, my birth was a little bit complicated and therefore... I guess I I kept part of my consciousness around uh, and the one that has not completely been obliterated by education and and identification to the to the real world and so that's what en enabled me to have that awakening when I was 13 where I started to see the world as something secondary to my inner world so to speak and uh, so that brought me to a quest very year, very early at about 16, I guess, which is answering the question, who am I? That was kind of an obsession at the time. And I believe, you know, every teenager at some point asks the question, but for me, it became like a life journey and I'm still on that journey, I guess. And, and what about the spiritual awakening at 13? That fascinates me. They, basically, some at some point for me it became evident that some truth that I was feeling inside were uh, more true than the ones that was were being offered to me by the, the the world right so on one side my parents on the other education and it was related to spirituality in the sense of where is god and is it in the church or is it outside of the church and so on and for me it was not possible to think God at being in a specific house. It has to be everywhere. And, and where I felt connected was everywhere in nature and in every single aspect of that reality that I'm looking at. And so that was the starting point. So when you say it connected to a spiritual, to a specific house, does that mean a specific religious house? Yes, church? exactly. Sorry. Yeah, temple, church. mosque. Right. Okay. Like a dogma, a, a specific pro type of process and a specific uh, church or, or building. And that's what the dogma wants. Right? Yeah, I've, I agree with you there. I've always thought it odd for certain religions to think that they have a 
manhandle, so to speak, a you know specific and unique path to truth or to God, and all the other ones are wrong, yes. leading to war and death and destruction. And um, it, it seems to me like if if you're an omnipresent, omniscient God, what are you going to do in terms of reaching? the most of humanity that you can, it seems like you're going to put culturally specific icons in different parts of the world and offer similar, but maybe somewhat different paths to the same end, which is spiritual mm-hmm. enlightenment. Mm-hmm. Yes. The love, which is the ultimate expression of, of God, you know, it's the highest vibration there is, is obviously multifaceted, infinite number of facets. And therefore, there's an infinite number of ways to understand it. And and religions are amazing in that sense that they have created a specific pattern that enables a lot of people to believe in it. And because it is structured, they can, it's a mass marketing purpose, right? Uh, They all identify to that and therefore they believe, they have faith. Amazing. Amazing tool. Obviously, the the counter aspect of that is the more the structure, the more rigidity there is, and therefore the the more potential tensions there are with with other people and other other communities. So for me, that moment when I was thirteen was not necessarily connected to this idea of uh, getting beyond what religion offers me of course it was but you know from a 13 years old standpoint it was more that okay whatever is being offered to me doesn't make sense this is my truth and the one that i that i live and that brought me to a place where when uh, i started searching for who am i and uh, started to try to have the best explanation i could of what life is in my own experience. And so hence started to show up little charts that um, is now the the heartful method after 30 years, no, actually 40, uh, to, to help me explain, to help people understand what is reality, how it works and how we're having this human experience. Well, that's a big question. What is reality? Yeah, I'll get that to that in a second. Uh, And more importantly, how, uh, we can surf it, right? And and be more in harmony with ourselves and therefore be, you know, blossom faster and 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 being reborn and and see all our vision, inner visions manifest in the world. So, so wait, let me just be clear. So is it how we can serve reality or how we can surf reality? Because I can both. see both applying. Because I really like the idea, the visual of surfing reality and just kind of learning to go with it. Yes, very much so. It's it's to be in the flow and be part of the flow at the same time. Yeah, I'm a geek. I love wordplay. <laughs> Me too. <laughs> I guess. So, what is reality? It's a very good question, and again, we could have a long time with that. Let's to 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 be simple. Uh, reality is a collection of vibrations that are defined. So, these frequencies and and uh, yeah, the, the the pattern of the vibration is always defined by what I believes in. So hence the work I'm doing at the moment around I uh, with my latest book, which title is I, I is Born, is uh, 
I is the, 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 the pillar and the seed of everything I live in my reality and you in yours and so on and so forth. And indeed, you know, any situation you're living through, you have your point of view, your experience of it, which is very different from the other person's or, or the other person's uh, for that matter. So the reality is as, as explained in quantum physics, in the Vedantas and many other different types of philosophies, uh, is a reflection, it's an illusion. It's a mirror. It's a mirror of a facet of I, right? So it's not, I'm not seeing in myself. Well, actually I am seeing myself across all the different individuals, conversations, uh, people or situations in which I, I live. And I go from moment to moment to moment. So in other words, reality is an amazing vehicle that enables my journey towards myself. Well, it's funny, you know, you meant you were talking about I early on. I mean, my mind kind of went all over on what you just said. <clears throat> but in talking about I, you mentioned it as the seed and the genesis of I. And it also feels to me like I is ego to a large extent and ego kind of gets in the way of understanding reality. It, it hamstrings us and prevents us and limits us. And I mean, it's a, it's a classic question philosophy, right? Like, can we ever know the true essence of reality? Because we're always necessarily going to be seeing it through our own five layer meat sack, through our eyeballs, through our perceptions, values, beliefs, mindsets. And we see it as there being one objective reality, which I don't believe there is anymore. I believe there's billions of realities mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Yes. based on our different perceptions, values, beliefs, mindsets. Yes. Uh, I indeed is the siege of that ego we're talking about. But what is interesting, you know, for us to understand how the, this reality really works, we, we need to start accepting paradoxes because it's yes. the only way to to get it from a from a big picture standpoint and really uh, get the whole framework there speak so, to me about paradox give me some examples i love paradox a paradox the uh, the one i was going to tell you about now i think hopefully <laughs> is that yes i is a little cube within these four worlds I recognize itself, right? So I am or no, I have this physical body, I have these thoughts, these emotions, I feel bad, I feel good, uh, I have these successes, da 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 da, da. And I define itself through its past experiences, its expectations of the future, etc. So this is a box that is quite rigid, but it's a tiny box related to what it can be. So outside of that box, you have huge amount of potentials, infinite number of potentials. And that, and that is what we will call the self, which is that other aspect of I that is infinite. So I is finite. Self is infinite. Both exist and, and are hosted in what we call our heart. They exist at the same time. That's the paradox we're talking about here. Meaning, I cannot exist without self. Self cannot exist without I. Because self cannot see itself without the I. 
and I cannot cannot exist if self does not exist. When you are saying I today, right? I am John. Who is saying it? But something else. There's like the screen in the in the movie theater for you to see the the pictures. You, there is to have a blank screen in the back of it. Mm-hmm. You know that white is all the colors at the same time. So it's infinite potential. And we have a specific number of colors that are structured in certain ways so that we can have a story. This is exactly what we're talking about between self and I. Yeah, I like the idea. I explain it to clients as you have thoughts. You can reflect on those thoughts. You can think about those thoughts, which is metacognition, thinking about thinking. And then the question is, who is doing the metacognition? Mm-hmm. And, and so it's a similar idea. Um, but as yeah. far as paradoxes go, I love, you know, like this idea of, you know, to get more comfortable to fully relax into life, we have to be become comfortable with the idea of our own death. To be, you know, really in a relationship, we have to be comfortable with the idea of breakup or divorce, for example. Mm-hmm. And, and, and I think, one. you know, just that idea that we are large enough to contain multitudes within us whether it's you know feeling multiple emotions about the same thing or containing very disparate, even conflicting beliefs. Like one of mine is, one of my favorites is the rational scientific side of me says, there's no God. Empirically, I cannot find proof for it. And that was kind of how Cal taught me. On the other hand, on the emotional side of me chooses to believe in the existence of a higher power because I find it comforting because it works for me. Mm-hmm, so I'm mm-hmm. big enough to contain both those beliefs simultaneously. And, and and this is your divine power. You have this possibility indeed to... to uh, I mean, this I that we're talking about earlier only identifies to itself, meaning this bag of skin and with all the different little things around it. As I evolves, it starts to grow, meaning... Uh, on that journey towards its own heart, which is uh, the purpose of the Heartful Method, it starts to encompass more and more of itself. What I mean by that is, all of a sudden, not only this physical appearance, but also the people around me, and then the society around me, and then the world around me. And this is just one plane. There is a lot more, a lot many more planes than that. So. In other words, I becomes more and more itself because it opens up and accepts as source of its own identity all the different potentials of what it is or could be and not anymore defined as it becomes a porous cube, so to speak. And then it I grows. I like that image. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, and but it's only... It is always a dance between I and self. That doesn't change, like an infinite between both, right? An infinite dance between both. Because you cannot you cannot say, I will only be self. That doesn't work. You have to have sometimes a, a journey towards I. Or towards I. Well, I like that idea because I, I do believe that in the idea that there are no enlightened beings. There are just beings who have enlightened moments. And so that speaks to that dance going back and forth mm-hmm. between I and self. Mm-hmm. Yes. Um, so what are some 
methods that you know of to spend or, or even like, I, I think there's a lot of people that live it just in the eye or that egoic part of ourselves. How do we get them to experience more of self and how do you define self? So it brings me to another part. Well, this is very esoteric. <laughs> no, it's actually very, very pragmatic. Uh, so, uh, let, let's see how we can bring it home Please. <laughs> and the ground. So let's get a brass tax. <laughs> the first, the paradox, we all believe like, you know, like in the stone, uh, we all believe that in order to progress, we have to go up, right? It it involves effort, it involves struggle, and it is therefore I have to climb the mountain if I want to make something happen. The same apply here, where we believe that for to go from I to self, it is a route that goes upwards. It's actually the other way around. Self is all that is. I is at the tip of the mountain. And if, if it allowed itself to let go of itself, drop out all the different belief systems and become bigger and bigger and bigger, starting to accept itself more and more and more, loving itself more and more, it becomes the self, which is a very effortless progress. So and, and on that point, if I may, I, I really like the idea of kind of removing the obstacles to growth and evolution, which is kind of, kind of fits with what you're saying. But I do have to say that you just, you know, blew up my tattoo, my one and only tattoo of, you know, the, the Unalome, which I'm says so that, you know, sorry. that's breaking out of the habits and patterns that we are into mindlessly. And then you have this difficult journey up to spiritual enlightenment. Yes. And I apologize for that. <laughs> Shit, now I have to get that removed. Damn it. Arno. No, 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 no. Keep it. Keep it. <laughs> it, it both Sorry, that was true. my ego. <laughs> no, it was fine. Your ego is fine. Uh, both are <laughs> at the same time. That's the interesting part. If you are staying in the, let's uh, baptize it, the human level, level your, your tattoo is, is true. And you do do that. At, but at some point, you need to let go of that, because so in other words, when you you follow the the, the steps of your tattoo, you actually fine tune a little bit your frequency, so you reach a place where you are ready to shift an octave, and when you do that, all of a sudden you are able to drop beliefs and whatnot that is hampering you on well, your process. I think part of your point is to let go of the striving, striving yes. to be more, striving to be different and working or leaning more into acceptance of self and, and potentially spending more time in the present moment. Uh, definitely. First and foremost, the thing is, and we're now we're, we're going to the grounding part it is much, 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 much easier than we believe, but we love to make it more complex. No, addicted to that. Yes, <laughs> it's an addiction. So, yes. to the person that is cannot go beyond his eye and only believes in reality, so to speak, and scientific rules and so on. Amazing! It's a beautiful journey and experience. 
Now, I can state out of my own experience, which is the only one that I can share, and the experiences of all the different CEOs I've helped so far, that by following this idea that we are talking about now, it is actually going to help them in their reality day to day. So what I mean by that is when we are able to drop a belief, for instance, I don't have integrity. Uh, this is an example I'm, I'm taking from a, a, one of my CEOs. And where something showed up in his reality that was you know, his company was being copied by another company. They they were taking their website and putting it on their website and so on. So not fun. And there was a series of other events during that week. And it led us to a, a belief that that CEO had no integrity whatsoever. He thought that was not necessarily true, but that's what uh, was. Uh, so he was aligning his frequency because of that belief the frequency of his reality was showing him this aspect. Do you want to choose to continue believing that or not? Simple question. Well, obviously the idea was no. <laughs> that was the choice. And he dared to make that choice, which is a very important aspect when, when we want to become conscious leaders. And... And so the very next week, not only the company dropped everything, but they actually made a public announcement saying that the, the company of my CEO was amazing, et cetera. And a nine-figure contract fell on their lap out of the blue and everybody's happy. So um, this is very, very, very pragmatic. When we live in a world where everything, where we start to accept that everything is vibration and this is proven from a scientific standpoint so nobody can tell me otherwise uh, then all of a sudden there is a whole paradigm that changes the you know what i see is people coming to me and they need to have 180 degrees rewire of their relationship with themselves and their reality once they do that they enter into a new realm now, when you say it's been proven by science, the vibrational frequencies piece, is that heart math? Is that research? No, that, no, that no, research? no, no, no. It's quantum quantum physics. Quantum physics. Oh, quantum physics. Gotcha. Yeah. You know, I'm talking about the fact that all is energy and, and therefore everything is vibration. And, you know, you go for Well, are you familiar with the heart math research? And this is from I like am 20 very years much. ago. Um, but yes. I, I love that, just the idea that the heart, you know, emanates electromagnetic energy six feet away from the body, which, you know, explains several things like empathy, for example. And if you'd like, the the, the electromagnetic field of the heart is 5,000 times more powerful than the brains. It makes sense. It also has 40,000 neurons. Also that. But so, <laughs> the, but when we talk about the heart, it's not necessarily the physical aspect of it. For me, in my understanding of things now, uh, it is that point of singularity we hold in our energy field uh, that is where we go from the finite to the infinite and they meet there. And it is, you know, that initial organ, so to speak, that is the only one that exists for the first three weeks of our, of our birth, of our conception. Um, and that that is you know the one that the orchestra uh the one that leads the, the whole orchestra of our reality 
Well, it brings up an important point to me because, you know, we're talking about opening, well, you're saying everyone's hearts. I'm more focused on men's heart, not a big distinction, but because it can go either way. But one of the things that I've noticed in working with men for 25 years is I'm always initially trying to teach them to get their attention out of their head and off of their thoughts because we're so damn over-identified with our thoughts. Mm-hmm. And we are so much more than those damn thoughts. But I'm trying to get them out of their head and into their heart, into their body with their attention because they just, they don't even know, many of them don't know what they're feeling. And yeah. one of the ways you begin to do that is through just paying attention to what's going on in your body. But I'm trying to think of, you know, what are kind of the first steps for people to begin to connect with source? The the, the process you're describing here is quite interesting. Uh, part of my research was uh, going around polarities. So we, we all have masculine and, and feminine polarities within us, right? Uh, Not me, I'm totally for... masculine. Yeah, of course. You are, and it happens <laughs> no, no. that... You, the the right half of your body is masculine and the left half is is feminine it's just the way things work the, in the meridians uh, aspect of your of your being anyway having said that so we all have both obviously as a man you embody more of the masculine energy so so far so good wait 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 arno yeah. going back to that idea of left and right half yeah. i'm really disturbed so what does that mean if I masturbate with my right hand versus my left hand? <laughs> that I don't know. That I haven't researched on that. <laughs> Please do, do the research and report back. And I'm sure the your audience will be very interested. I can it. see some men saying, I'm never using my right hand again. <laughs> no, right is good. You're just telling your masturbate the left hand. I'm just... Uh, but I'm just playing. It's very useful when when you have an ailment uh, of any sort in your body. Uh, it uh, it shows you know from a symbolic standpoint mm-hmm. what, what is uh, what at hand right now. So anyway, where I was going to uh, what I was going to say is that this uh, we you I have chosen to embody more of the masculine energy, but we do still have the feminine energy that is more dormant than. Than women, uh, to take that example. Now, the the what you were describing is interesting because indeed, in that case, the, so thoughts are of uh, uh, of masculine energy, uh, feeling are more of feminine energy. But more importantly, opening up to the relationship with reality is of feminine energy. Uh, in the 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 best way for a man to feel the, the wholeness of reality is to have a female partner. She is the one holding that bit and brings him back to the ground. Now, we can do that on our own, obviously, right? But it's more of a conscious, continuous conscious choice because at first it's not easy. It's not, it's not uh, of our nature, right? Right. So it's opening up to our feminine aspect, not that uh, anything is going to happen to you. Uh, It's just that you are going to ground yourself more. You're going to have a perception of reality that starts to change, uh, to become more encompassing of many more aspects than before. Because before, uh, before that change, 
you were completely out in the sky and you know beautiful ideas and many actions and but it's like a triangle like this right and there's nobody here <laughs> it's all up there mm -hmm. uh, so that's uh that's the process that uh, we have to all to go through well and i love that idea because i do i believe for a long time that we have both masculine and feminine within us and I think that one of the goals is actually to come to a better, a better balance of the masculine and feminine within each of us, male or female. Yes. Um, and masculinity and femininity are separate from sex, male, female. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, so I think it's a really good goal to have a foot in both worlds and to learn to be more comfortable in both worlds so that you can bring different parts of you to different situations. Yes, and more importantly... Because it's going to flow. The, the, that's when you start, when the, the inner harmony or self-alignment starts to kick in and have its own uh, beautiful unfoldment, meaning where, because when you are able to align your thoughts, your emotions, your physicality, and at the same time, your masculine and feminine aspects, all going in the same direction, it start, you know, you start to fly, so to speak, in reality, meaning things start to really activate themselves faster and faster and faster. So uh, this is the game in which we are, all of us. Uh, the, the, the ultimate game is to fall in love with ourselves. But for that, every single aspect needs to be accepted and embraced to be able to, um, you know, um, really become actively loved by this consciousness that we call I and and therefore uh, lived completely. Fully. What do you think are some of the biggest barriers, sorry to interrupt, what do you think some of the biggest barriers specifically that you have seen to falling in love with self? Uh, so many. Well, the, the, the first one is the power of identification, I guess. Meaning that at the very first, uh, you know, when we start the journey, we are so ensconced in our idea of ourselves. It's so it's such a rigid cube, right? It's not porous at all. Mm -hmm. So that means that I am not really open, or it's it's painful to let go of the series of identification I may have. Why? Because it feels safe. Uh, maybe I'm in survival mode related to my identity, not necessarily financially. And, and I don't know anything else and I don't want to know anything else. Obviously, when they connect with you or with me, they all have already done some of the process that enables them to start to make changes in their lives. But still, it's, it can be a, a long battle for them. Right, and they make it harder to themselves. So why? Because at first, again, we believe so much in struggle. It is a way of life. At first, until we are able to drop it, and some people are not able to drop it, or they can drop ninety percent of it, but there is still five or ten percent that is still there for a long time, and then at some point they are able to drop that too. So let me ask you a question related to this, because one of the things, one of the places my mind went was I've been talking to several men recently about their depression, for example, yeah. specifically. 
And I, I think what happens to most men when we are struggling with depression or anxiety, for example, is we feel ashamed about the fact that we feel sad or fearful. I'm a man, I shouldn't feel that shit. And, and so I was thinking that, you know, shame is a big disconnect or a big barrier to self-love because shame at its core is I'm unworthy of belonging, love, and connection, and particularly mm-hmm. to self. Yeah. So there is a beautiful value in the masculine world where, which is, I can do it, right? Yeah, self-reliance. <laughs> self-reliance and and you know i'm a man and i'm gonna make things happen etc what is interesting is that most of us tend to identify to being a victim of the world mm-hmm. which is completely contrary to i can do it well and it's contrary to the spiritual belief of the universe is benevolent and i think that's a great belief to subscribe to Pronoia, indeed. Oh, so, great word. Uh, How about metanoia? Since we're throwing out big words. <laughs> the, the thing I is, see your pronoia and I up you metanoia. <laughs> the, the, the thing is, at some point, as men, uh, we have to make a decision. And, and that's the beauty of the masculine energy. It is there to segregate to make choices, to take direction and move in a certain direction. Even if I do wrong at first and then I figure it out then and I'll take another step and so on and so forth. That's the purity and the beauty of the masculine energy. So the masculine polarity. Are we ready to actually embody that? Whether I am depressed or not. Are we... uh, Can we dare to take that decision for ourselves. I'm not talking about saving someone else, but would I dare to say, okay, I am a guy. I know I can do things. I can make things happen for myself and I am going to choose myself. Okay. So to do what would you ask? And that's a very good question. To do what? Uh, (laughs) Uh, So they're choosing that you take self-responsibility in your reality. That anything that is happening or has been happening in the past that created that moment of sadness or depression, etc. has been or is, whichever. But I am taking now the conscious choice of pointing my arrow, because this is the the symbol for me, for the the masculine energy. There's a cloud for the feminine and the arrow for the masculine. Uh, I take my arrow and I point it out to the North Star, which is self-responsibility, self-alignment, etc. And therefore, dropping out any need of feeling to be the victim of the world or any need of identifying to something that was in the past or is happening now. One thing that is super important to realize is that whatever is happening in our reality at any given moment is neutral all the time. We don't need... So in other words, 
whatever it is that is happening now or was or would be is neutral. Therefore, anything that is that I is putting on top, meaning my perception of it, what I feel about it, my reaction, etc., is me putting it there on top. And so I am completely fabricating this maze in which I am losing myself. Sounds so a lot like next, Albert Camus or Kafka. The next question is, how do we get from the, out of the maze? That's a great question. Let me ask you that. How do we get out of that maze? I'm glad you asked the question. <laughs> Thank you. Uh, <laughs> very, 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 very smart question. Uh, <laughs> well, there is a part of the heartful method. Is There is a, a, I think it's a five-step process. Uh, so we tend to put ourselves in many different mazes and they are all triggered by a specific type of event that happen in our life, whether it's with our partner, whether it's in business, at a board meeting, whichever, doesn't matter. It's always related to one of our mazes. And uh, these mazes, they are a bit like uh, um, the planets and the, the, the uh, what are the meteorites? Right, the, the, oh, the meteors, meteorites, meteors. Yes, meteors. So you have the meteor coming to the planet, and it should be going straight, but because of the gravitational pull, all of a sudden it goes like this, mm -hmm. and then maybe changes its direction. Well, this is the maze with the gravitational you, pull. The planet with the gravitational pull. Yeah. So, uh, do you really want to go straight? If you do, then you have to drop the maze. If not, you're going to continue doing that and potentially change your routes and then go another place. We don't necessarily want that. So how do you get out of the maze? The, the first step is to become aware of what's happening, meaning there is a situation that is neutral. I am seeing myself in that uh, maze and I'm not feeling very well, but at least I am seeing myself in it, which is a big difference of being part of the, the actual maze itself. And, and so it is an amazing first step. Once I am able to do that, I can embrace it, meaning I embrace the situation itself and the fact that I don't feel well, that I am sad or or, or shameful, and etc. And and thankfully we have the shame so that we can actually dare to make a choice, right? So it's an amazing uh, um, energy to go to move forward. So I become aware, I embrace it. Then starts the second step, which is to trust that for some reason this is showing up. And for some reason, I need to see it now. So is that kind of the that idea of the universe will present you with lessons until you master them? You, you keep getting lessons, lessons repeated over and over. They are not lessons. They are bits and pieces of love that are looking for your attention. Mm. Nice reframe. And they are there to be loved by you again. They have been forgotten for such a long time. Yeah, or repressed or yeah. stuffed or... Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Hated. And, and they are there to see, hey, do you still want to live by that? Or do you want to explore a new freedom? And 
you know, both answers are correct. From their it's sense. interesting because that, that maps onto internal family systems too, where we have a core self with different parts of ourselves and the parts are like our anger, or depression or shame or sadness. And those are the parts of which we have for years hated, tried to hide, tried to suppress. And it, it maps onto what you're saying. Yeah. So trusting with pronoia in this case, you know, the, 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 the reality I am in is coming to show me the, the crest of the wave that I need to look at. So, so that define pronoia for us, if you would. Well, pronoia is what you were saying earlier, which is the world is here to conspire for the good of me, which okay. is the antony of paranoia. And so I start from the assumption that the world in which I am is trustworthy. And I can trust myself and I can trust the others, etc. So anyway, I trust that whatever is coming up in my moment, in this moment, is something that is of value for me to learn about myself and to accept, right, as we said earlier, and embrace it. And I surrender to it. Whatever it is in this moment, I may feel bad about it, or etc. I surrender to the whole thing, meaning the situation itself and my reaction to it. Yeah, it, it makes me think of the idea of radical acceptance. And it's funny, as you talk about, as, as I have worked in my own life to radically accept my situation in life and all parts of myself and to surrender, as you say, it, it's amazing to me how many parts of my life accelerate and better and better things come my way without effort, without trying. Yeah. It's amazing. It's the only way it works. It's like putting out corks and all of a sudden, poof, you got champagne all over. <laughs> I like that. I mean, We're it's, talking good it's, champagne, right? Yeah, yeah, of course. Okay, good, thank you. The whole shebang. Uh, uh, so it, it is the only way it works. You drop a belief in which you were, or an emotional blockage, which is the same thing, and all of a sudden, you have a huge number of potential that are open that are free to express themselves. A bit like the example I was sharing earlier with my CEO. So it is that exactly process, that exact process that enables you to grow a lot faster than going the conventional way, which is the, the, the mental way, uh, the one that you get, you know, you get educated with and so on. Anyway, I continue with my process. So we had accept uh, awareness, acceptance, embrace, surrender, right? Uh, trust and surrender. Sorry, and then then uh, becomes it becomes more complex. No, not really. Uh, the the next step is to forgive. Hmm. Forgive not only the person, if there is a person involved, the situation itself, but forgive ourselves. And that's where our our guys here will have a little problem. Yeah. uh, Because this is not very manly. Well, actually, it is more manly than not doing it. I agree. Because you're really taking full responsibility for yourself. And I would say, you know, forgiveness is a daily practice. And the repetition of it over and over and over is one of the keys to it. And, makes and you it can do it in your mind. It doesn't have to be done face-to-face. Yeah, and it becomes easier. And so, but again, I insist on that. It's not only 
forgiving the other person for whatever she or he said and so on, if that's the situation. But it's forgiving ourselves for whatever reaction we may have had towards that person. That's one option, one aspect. But also forgiving myself for feeling shameful, whatever. And that's I have a question for you there. Because there's another level in my belief system, and that is forgiveness of God. And people get really sketched out about this. It makes a lot of religious people very nervous. And yet, I believe that there are situations that happen in life where there is no one person or people to blame. It's just tragedy, like uh, a baby dying of sudden infant death syndrome or your spouse dying of cancer. And I think in those situations of grief, it's alternating sadness and anger. And the anger, causes us to want to find someone or something to blame and i think mm. in those in those situations where there's no person our mind goes to god and we get angry at god which to me just seems very human but if we're not aware of it if we're not accepting of it it can lead to some really lousy outcomes like just turning your back on god in anger for example yeah uh, I, I can understand that and yes from a human standpoint it makes sense Although we're we're thinking about these two paradoxes, right? So if we look at it from the self standpoint, which would be God also from another another name, um, this whole situation that you just described was necessary for my growth. Very, very, very hard. There's no question about that. And, you know, a lot of grief and so on. No question about that either. But again, surrendering to the situation completely, 100%, and it's super hard to do it at first, more so in these circumstances. And when we are able to surrender fully, like surrendering to God in this case, right? Because there is one, I was going to say that just before. If you have one motto to remember of this conversation, is I know that I don't know. Mm-hmm. Intellectual humility. Exactly. Or spiritual it's, humility, emotional humility. It is the only way. Because you actually never know. You could not state, you could not tell me, even if you were the more rigid eye poss- uh, possible, that you would control everything and you have all the different parameters in your head and you can... You know, everything in your reality is under your control and everything is uh, the way you say. There's no way. So there's a whole aspects of variables that are playing themselves out that is beyond your, your capacity to understand them, right? And that's what we call God as well. Uh, we put it on his shoulders <laughs> or, or her shoulders, whichever. Um, <laughs> there you go. <laughs> uh, so it's... Hey, God, what's your I, pronouns? Uh, nothing. Uh, <laughs> what I don't know is a great motto to live by because you cannot never go wrong this way. Never. And I think we need more of that motto in this world, particularly at this moment, because there's so many people that are so convinced that they know and so mm-hmm. rigid in their beliefs that it's creating a lot of conflict at, at multiple levels. Yes, and we could have a conversation about that, uh, but that would diverge from the, the process. Yeah. 
why do you insist in that bit? But that's a, another conversation. Uh, we can have it after. Uh, so <laughs> there's a lot of conversations here. <laughs> so uh, let me finish the process at least. So forgiveness, yes. as I mentioned earlier, and which leads us ultimately. So forgiveness and gratitude. Mm-hmm. Gratitude for what has been unfolding. Gratitude for me being able to go through the process of being lost in my maze, getting out of the maze. Gratitude for me to allow myself to grow out of that. Gratitude is an amazing engine for, and it can be about very little things or big ones, doesn't really matter. But the process, that muscle of gratitude needs to be exercised as much as we can. Well, and if I may, on, on the topic of gratitude, I, I think that we have to practice gratitude for a variety of things, not the same things over and over and over, because then the mind tends to habituate to those things and gets used to it, and then it doesn't really serve us anymore. Because you, you think if it's a mental exercise, it doesn't work. You have to feel it. Yeah. Uh, and if you feel it, it can be about anything. It doesn't really matter anymore. So in that context of the process, it is applied to the specific situation. So we're, 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 not, we're not repeating anything uh, in that case. But yes, it's a very good point anyway. The, the last step is to find in our heart compassion and love for that situation, for the person, if there is anybody involved, for ourselves. So there you are all of a sudden completely embracing what the whole experience in all its aspect and not just one single angle that you were looking at at first. So all of a sudden you opened up all the, all the beautiful potential and you lead yourself to more harmonious outcomes. Meaning that, in other words, you have uncharged i know that word doesn't exist but i don't have the right one uh so a- any emotionally charged event right puts you in the maze or kept you in the maze when you do that process you uh it comes it goes from a negative charge to a positive one and therefore it becomes completely neutral in your memory, so to speak, it becomes completely neutral and therefore does not need any more to be expressed. It doesn't need to show up again. If you don't do that process, it will show up again. Whether it is in a week or 10 years or 20 years, doesn't matter. It will show up, guaranteed, mm-hmm. in a different way. So um, it's up to us whether to go back at the beginning of that conversation uh, if we are man enough to uh, take our responsibilities and and become conscious leaders and be, and become aware of our processes and and all the different aspects and accept it as they are, you know, it's okay. There's no shame to feel bad or weak or whatever, mm-hmm. uh, because we know that if we do it, if we go through that process, it it will happen so fast. That nobody notices anyway. So you, you you don't have to stay there. Well, Arno, this has been an amazing conversation. So thank you very much for that. I've really enjoyed it. And we didn't even get to 
I wanted you to read a couple of poems out of your book. So maybe we have to schedule a part two to this. Um, I would like that. Um, but I have to wrap up now. Is there anything that I didn't ask you? <laughs> I always ask this question, but there's like 6,000 things. You know, it sounds like we could have 6,000 conversations on this. Um, so maybe I won't ask that question. Instead, let me ask you this. Where can people get a hold of you if they would like to? Thank you. Uh, my, I think they can go to our website, tapuat.com, T-A-P-U-A-T.com. It's a Hopi name for eternal rebirth, and uh, which is quite on cue with uh, our purpose here. Mm. And, um, and so there they can learn more about the Heartful Method, which is about finding harmony within and, and, and therefore without, and uh, how to self-align faster and and you know get uh, a life that is filled with harmony and joy and uh and at the same time success you know that doesn't change anything yes. contrary and so yeah happy to do that we also have an event uh, every week on linkedin on tuesdays uh, so they can look at that too so it's called who's and can we're about they to find you on linkedin uh, Tapuat again, same thing. Okay. Or my name. And uh, we're going to launch Masterminds, Heartful Masterminds as well. That's going to be interesting. Awesome. But, yeah. Well, thank you so much for your time and your wisdom. I, I love and appreciate all that you've said here today. All right. Thank you so much. Um, hopefully you don't mind me playing with you during the conversations. My spirituality has a lot of humor to it. I'd love that. <laughs> Mine has and that's it for this episode of the Evolved Caveman. If you liked or loved this episode, please be sure to like, rate, review, and share with your friends. And if you didn't like it, you don't have to do a damn thing. Thanks so much for listening, and we'll see you next time. Bye-bye. Thank you for listening to the Evolved Caveman Podcast. If you like what you've heard, support us by subscribing, leaving reviews, and sharing the podcast with friends and colleagues. For the latest, most powerful tools to connect with like-minded men, join the Facebook group at The Evolved Caveman. Follow Dr. John on Instagram at The Evolved Caveman, all one word, or join the email list by visiting guidetoself.com. 